Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Young Anglicans podcast. Uh, thanks for tuning in with us again. My name is Andrew Unger. Um, we have with us Eric. Say hi, Eric. Hi, this is Eric Overholt. And today we're actually interviewing and talking with the Canon for Youth Ministry in the Diocese of Pittsburgh, Tracy Russell. Canon Tracy Russell. Why <laughs> She's you... all official and all that. Yeah. I so, am. Tracy, why don't you give us quick a little bit of biography, who you are, where you're from, things like that. Sure. Um, so I grew up in Connecticut. That's where my whole family still lives. And I met my husband in Connecticut. We moved to Pittsburgh in 2002 to go to Trinity School for Ministry. We both went there and got our MDivs. We're both um, ordained as priests in the um, ACNA. Uh, that was in 2000 and, oh gosh, 2009, I think. Maybe 2011. Isn't that terrible? I should know that. You should. Um, I sh we should. But I've been a youth pastor for about 16 years now, um, starting as a layperson and then continuing um, once I was ordained, I've worked in a variety of contexts. Um, I worked in New England. I worked in the inner city in Pittsburgh. And now I'm in a suburb of Pittsburgh. And I also have five of my own children um, who are uh, their age range from 23 to 13. So I got a house full of teenagers. That sounds like it, it's like youth ministry at home. You get to bring yeah. work home with you all the time. Life and work, <laughs> you know. The boundaries are blurred. <laughs> so tell us, uh, tell us some about your church that you're the youth pastor at. I'm a youth pastor at Christ Church Fox Chapel. Um, we we're about, I think, our membership roles are between about 250 and 300 now. That's um, we've had significant growth in the last three years. Um, we got a new rector about three years ago, and he's just uh, the Reverend Alex Shuttleworth. He's a terrific, vibrant wonderful guy who preaches the gospel. And so lots of new people have been coming. When I started um, at, at Christ Church, uh, it was very part-time. Uh, they had made a change in the way they um, did youth ministry. So the program, um, which had been run very well by the person before me, um, was kind of reduced to very little. So I had to rebuild the program. Um, and one of the things we've been doing since the beginning is running Youth Alpha twice a year. So that's a huge part of our program. But uh, we've also tried to bring in kids from outside the church. So our youth group is actually about half churched kids, half non-church kids. Um, quite a few coming from the city uh, where Jamie and I live. Um, yeah, and it's middle school and high school. You know, we're not huge. Um, at any given time, we have between 25 and 35 kids in our in our youth group total, middle school, high school. So we, we do meet all together on Saturday nights. We also, um, for the last four years, have been doing a mission trip every summer, which has been really popular with the kids. Um, do you guys stick local for your mission trip, or do you guys try and get out of town? Actually, we got connected with a ministry called Friendships in Louisiana because uh, a family at our church had been missionaries there for many years. And uh, this is um, an organization that they bring uh, 18 to 25 year olds down to Louisiana. And those young people are trained as crew for these large cargo ships that they own. And they keep the cargo ships ready so that whenever there is some sort of disaster, they can be first responders. Oh, okay. So in 2011, I think it was, they were some of the first people to go to Haiti after the huge earthquake. So 
the really great thing about it is that the kids do this real work. You know, they're preparing a ship for a, a disaster zone. But also there's all these 18 to 25 year old Christians who really mentor the kids and the kids, um, you know, my kids end up really looking up to and learning a lot from. So it's a great experience. That's so cool. How did you get connected with with those people down in Louisiana? There was a family, the Condren family. They had been uh, missionaries with friendships for about seven years. And when I started talking, as my as my job grew at Christ Church, I started talking about wanting to get, take the kids on mission. And they came to me and said, hey, why don't we bring them down here and, and help this organization we used to work for? So it was great because there was always, already this kind of family connection. And that's how we it's been so nice having that long-term connection with them now, because when we go down there now, it, we are family, mm -hmm. you know, and, and we see the same people again and, and, you know, they just greet us with open arms. So it's a really positive experience. And so your students are going down to Louisiana and they're helping prepare these, can, these cargo ships or whatever. Yeah. And we do all kinds of stuff they, from chipping rust to actually cleaning the ship to packing clothing, packing food, yeah, all kinds of stuff like that. So cool. So cool. So then in Haiti, did you get pictures or something of, hey, no, these no, are the people we're Haiti. helping? Or? No, okay. I'm sorry. We didn't go to Haiti. We help okay. friendships get ready for these missions. Okay. All right. And then they go. Yeah. I, because they, they are truly going into disaster zones. And, yeah, yeah. You know, like we wouldn't be prepared to do that with a bunch of 12-year-olds, you know. Right. No, <laughs> of course not. So we help get the ship ready. And okay. then. So right now they're actually, they have a huge camp set up um, to help Syrian refugees over in the Middle East. And um, so the last two years, we've packed ships to send um, supplies, medical supplies, clothing and food to Syrian refugees. So that's what we're going to be doing again this summer, preparing a ship to go over to the camp in, in the Middle East. So oh, cool. So have, go ahead. Andy. Oh, I was going to say, how big, uh, how big did your group have to be in order to to do that? Like, do they take groups of any sizes? Is there just so much work? They that... do. Yeah, they do take groups of any sizes. Um, and we, we end up, we live and work at the port where everything's happening. So we live with the crew on this converted World War II ship. Nice. Um, yeah, it ain't posh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's a good thing, especially, um, you know, I, I mean, we're in, we minister now in a, in a nice area of Pittsburgh and, and, I think it's good for these kids to see how other people live. Um, but yeah, so we go down there and we've had anywhere from, you know, 15 to 30, but definitely smaller groups. They can't handle a huge group because as I said, you know, we're living with the crew, but, um, but it, it's been a really good experience for us because the whole, the, the whole, culture there the whole community there at friendships is very very deeply christian mm -hmm. and the crew there are amazing folk they uh they live on the ship they wear donated clothing they eat donated food i mean these people mm -hmm. are just amazing you know warriors who who ask for very little so it's just the interaction between the crew and the kids is is really a huge part of the experience for them so can you, you talk a little more about how you've seen – I'm going to ask two questions. First sure. one, how have you seen your kids kind of formed through that sort of um, ministry? Mm. And, and two, have you been doing it long enough that any of the kids from your youth group have said, I'm going to go join Friendships and I'm going to be a crew on the ship and I'm, mm. I'm going to do that? What, what? Yeah, I'll leave it at that. 
Yeah. We we haven't had any of our kids reach the point yet where they would be old enough to go work at Friendships. Um, coming up the next year or two, though, we will. Um, I haven't heard that yet. I think part of that is because of the culture that they're in. They are expected to go to college. Mm-hmm. Um, and they certainly could do this after college. But I th- for most of these kids, their their laser focus is going to college. Um, and, and that's just the waters they swim in. Um, but that's, I the water, think, that's the waters these days in general, yeah? I mean, certainly yeah, that way with my kids. Yeah, it is. Um, for good or for ill. Yeah. Um, but uh, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, if they if they do make that kind of a decision. What I have seen already, though, in the kids, uh, first of all, and this is very practical, but first of all, um, we go down there and they are expected to work very hard in the Louisiana heat with no air conditioning. Mm. You know, and it's dirty and there's bugs and snakes. And, you know, it's the first couple of days are usually quite a big shock to the new kids. <laughs> you know, they work a couple of hours in the morning and then they say, what do you mean we can't stop till lunch? You know, <laughs> <laughs> so and we do take middle schoolers. So for the first time, they're working a very hard 40 hour work week. So they just gain some skill that way like oh this is what it means to work 40 hours and and this is what it means to work physically hard and to do gross things like you know we clean ships we clean bathrooms you know we scrub floors we we chase cockroaches you know water cockroaches off the deck i mean you know some of these kids have never done that kind of stuff before so um it just opens their eyes and and teaches them practical skills too they learn things too like you know basic carpentry But the thing that has been exciting to see happen in them is as they realize like how hard they're working and then they look around and they see these 18 to 25 year olds and the older crew members as well. And they realize that this is their life. Mm. This isn't just a week out of their life. This is their life. And they really look up to these, you know, crew members and start to see being a Christian entails a lot more than just going to church and going to youth group, Mm -hmm. you know, that it is a life changing, life encompassing identity. Um, And I can see them growing in a week, which is just amazing to me. Mm. Because the first day, I'm thinking of one kid in particular, the very first day, he was just fussing, you know, and he was probably 13 when he came. He was just fussing because he hadn't ever been asked to work that hard before. And then by the last day, you know, they're asking, oh, we just need someone, you know, during the lunch hour, we need some people to help us move these boxes just for 10 minutes. And he's volunteering, Hmm. you know, um, they just they kind of get over themselves and find out that they can do more than they thought they could. And they get excited about that. You know, they're really being pushed to, to work hard and and to stretch themselves and by the end of the week, I always see them doing it and they're excited about it. So these mission trips sound like really hard work. (laughs) And yet it also sounds like you're not having trouble getting kids to go. No, that's talk about that. that. It's been weird. I thought it would be harder to get kids to go. And 
you guys know me. You know, I don't mince words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're both laughing. In the descriptions, in the descriptions that I give both the parents and the kids, I say, you know, you are going to work like you've never worked before. You're going to sweat and be dirty. And, you know, and I tell the parents, this isn't a jaunt around the marina. You know, <laughs> these kids are working in a working port and there's heavy equipment and bugs and alligators and, you know. And yet they're like, I think because it's so different from what they do every day, they're fascinated by the idea. And then once I get them to come once, I, I have like 80% retention. They all want to come back. And I'll bet that creates a culture. Like I've noticed on mission trips, the, the kids who are older set the stage for the younger kids. So the younger kids come and they see their peers coming in, expecting to work hard. You know, when you have that momentum, it's real easy to get the new kids initiated into the work because you've got a whole culture that already exists to say like, yeah, this is what we do. We come and we work really hard. Um, yeah. I'll bet your yeah, older kids are huge true. salespeople for your trip then. Yeah, they are. And they're also, you know, they know what to expect. So they're not freaked out by anything. And we get down there and, you know, they're making things fun and singing while we're working and, yeah. you know, being goofy. So yeah, they're definitely, they definitely help set, set that culture. What have you had? What have the parents said as their kids like, oh, I can't believe Jimmy came back and he's a new new boy. And like, has there been any kind of reaction from parents about this trip? Yeah, actually, some of some of which has been funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, they, they definitely the parents. Um, I, I've had a lot of tears from the parents just amazed at um, how their kids have changed. Um, when I tell them stories about what their kids have done and what they've accomplished, you know, they're, they're just, they're flabbergasted. They can't believe that their 13 year old child was able to do this or their little tiny 14 year old daughter was up on a crow's nest, you know, chipping rust off a ship. <laughs> I, I, yeah, what? <laughs> um, yeah. So they're really amazed by what happens in their kids and sometimes surprised, um, you know, because what, like I said, I, I, I have really good retention with, with this trip and I've got someone this year who's insisting on coming and the family had to rearrange their family vacation plans. Wow. <laughs> nice. Because this child was like, I am going on the mission trip. That's awesome. That yeah. Is awesome. Yeah. So do you get, you mentioned like half your group, is unchurched. Um, do you get a lot of the unchurched kids to come as well? Or is it largely the, the people with parents who know you with that connection? Um, how does that play out? It, it does tend to be more the churched kids. Mm -hmm. Um, and some of those church kids aren't from our church too. Okay. Um, and you know, for various reasons, you know, there's lots of small churches that don't have youth groups. So we've, you know, welcomed, any of those kids yeah. to our youth. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the whole idea of paying to go do a service project for a whole week is a little bit strange for people outside of like the Christian subculture. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not all of them. I'm not saying like you have to be Christian and know to, that you should give back to society or anything. I mean, I know that's not true, but um, 
And, and some of it might be as well that that those parents don't know me quite as well as the church parents know. Not for my, you know, I, I really do try to invite them and bring them to things. Um, I've actually started a parenting class for parents of teenagers, okay. specifically during our youth group time. So like once a month, I'm not at youth group and my team is handling youth group and I'm teaching this parenting class yeah. so that those parents whose kids come who aren't part of the church would feel comfortable coming to this class. Um, but it's just a real hard sell. You know, I think some of these parents, um, some of these kids are second generation unchurched, so their parents are unchurched as well. And I, I just don't think they understand why they would want to hook up with our community, yeah. you know, even though their kids are into it. But yeah, it. thinking about it, it is, I'm trying to think if any of our kids, no, two of our kids were unchurched. Um, two of the kids who have come, they're brothers. Okay. So it's like one family. Yeah. But that family is like, we know them outside of church. Yeah. So, yeah. I think it does um, help a lot when you have personal relationship with some of the leaders on the trip, you know, obviously yeah. people feel more comfortable. So that's pretty natural. Yeah. I had a whole thing the, the year my um, son Simon was born, he was due in June and we had a mission trip in July. And I had sort of said like, Hey, we're just going to, like, I'm a maybe on this trip. I got a different priest who's, you know, my, my best friend. He's going to be great. But, like, he's going to go, and maybe I'll go. And I had a lot of people want to drop out. And at first, I was really frustrated feeling like this is not supposed to be a cult of personality. It's not supposed to be, like, my time with Andrew. But then some parents were telling me, like, the problem is, is my kid, like, this is stretching my kid. Mm -hmm. And when you're there, they know you, and they feel comfortable and safe with you. And you know, Father Mike might be great, mm. but like they don't know him. And so my kid's yeah. not going to go if they don't have that safe adult that they know is going to take care of them, is going to watch out right. for them. Um, right. And I had never thought about it that way. And I, I ended up going and my awesome wife was at home with our like four week old son, <laughs> um, figuring it out. God bless her. Yeah, she is, she is a champion on that front, on yeah. many fronts, I would say. <laughs> and, and, and then you got back and she went to Bermuda for a That's week. That's right. <laughs> and she said, here are the children. I will see you in a week. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, so this year we're actually, um, we're actually partnering with Church of the Ascension in Oakland, which is a, a, a really one of our big churches in the Diocese of Pittsburgh. The um, youth pastor there, Alex Banfield Hicks, and I are friends, and he asked if we could do a joint mission trip. So actually we're going together this year to friendships. Oh, nice. Yeah. So that's, I'm excited about that. It's going to be a lot of fun. That's something Very that cool. I wish. Um, I think mission trips feel like they're insurmountable for a lot of churches. If you only have a couple of students um, mm. and it's, I wish more churches would figure out ways to partner together to do that. Or, or even recognize like I went on a mission trip once with, like six students, I think, which was my lowest year ever. And it was one of the best mission trips ever because I got all this great time with the students. They loved it. They bonded as a group. Um, I, I think it does for my students. It does such an amazing thing in their lives. I, if you are at a small church and you are listening and you feel like that sounds awesome, but I could never organize a trip on my own, just find another church to glob onto because it is worth it for the kind of difference it makes in students' lives to sort of see that faith lived out. I, it's the best thing I do every year. Um, Absolutely. Is the mission. Trip. And, 
I would also want to encourage people at small churches, um, if you do want to do your own mission trip, the first year is a huge amount of work. But if you do connect with some sort of organization that you can continually go back to, yeah. once you've done it once, it's so much easier the yeah. next year. I would also say, I think we're making an argument for a diocesan level youth ministry as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. So, so I would say to all you youth pastors out there, support your diocesan youth coordinator or canon. Um, and maybe you can, you can do things like this together. Yeah, so. absolutely. So, um, Tracy, talk to us about, uh, I think I know the answer to this, but talk to us about why you have so many unchurched kids in your youth group. Um, well, I think there's two reasons. Um, one of the reasons why we have so many unchurched kids in our youth group is because we've made a, a place, like a space for them. Um, and we've done that through using the Youth Alpha program. Uh, my husband and I were already huge fans of Alpha. We actually both came back to the Lord through the Alpha program oh, cool. when we were young adults. Um, and then started doing Alpha in a variety of contexts and just really felt the theology of the teaching was excellent and we saw the Holy Spirit moving and we really love the very respectful small group dynamics that Youth Alpha teaches of inviting people to say what they really think, not correcting or shutting them down, but, you know, respecting their opinions. And uh, that was so crucial for me to come back to the faith. Um, that was That was a huge reason why I continued going to the Alpha course. So especially with teenagers, I think that's enormously important. You have to treat them and their opinions with respect, and you have to allow them to have those opinions, even if they're outlandish, because as we all know, they're, they're trying to figure out what they actually think. Mm -hmm. So you need to let them go there. Um, but it, at the same time, they're getting from the videos, they're getting solid theology and good biblical teaching about the basics of the faith. So, but this very open attitude has made it so that our kids are um, comfortable inviting their friends to the group because they know that we're not going to embarrass them or make their friends uncomfortable or anything like that. Um, so they feel comfortable inviting their friends. And the only way I've ever seen a youth group grow is by kids inviting their friends, the friends getting hooked in, they invite friends like that old shampoo commercial, right? And so on and so on. I have no idea the commercial. I have no idea about. what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I'm older than both yeah. of <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, speaking of you being old, I have uh, I actually have a question. I'm kidding. I have a... Uh... I'm sure everybody can see the look on her face. I know. <laughs> Listeners, just imagine a, a look that would, you know stop you in your tracks. That is what I just received. I actually, I mentioned this when we were sort of planning ahead of time. And I think, um, I think it's a really valuable bit of information that you could speak on. Um, I've been in youth ministry for 11 years and it's in the last few years that I've come to terms with the fact that I'm, I can't function as a peer anymore. I have to mm -hmm. function as a closer to their parents than I am to their like older sibling. Um, and that was a transition for me. And I think a lot of people, can only conceive of youth ministry as a big sibling peer kind of a relationship. Like your cool older brother that also likes the same music you do, um, tell, tells you about Jesus. 
what did you notice in that transition from moving out of a sort of peer big sibling age into a like mentoring parent kind of a relationship? Um, what does youth ministry look like different now? Um, I don't know. Does that question make sense? Do you understand what I'm getting no, no, at? No, it does. It does. Yeah. And I was thinking about this. Um, it, it's interesting because I think actually being older makes some parts of youth ministry a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Um, the parents know that I'm a parent, so th- they they find it very easy to talk to me and ask me questions. Yeah. Um, you know, because and they they trust my opinion because they know I've been a youth pastor for a long time and they know I'm a mom. So it just, it just makes it easy in that way. You know, yeah. there's, cause I know, especially younger youth pastors struggle with that sometimes, you know, yeah. to be taken seriously by the parents. So that just makes it easier. Um, I, I think with the kids, it, I I've actually been a youth pastor since, um, I was in my, uh, early thirties. So I've oh. always been the older. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, the, the tack I've taken with the kids, because I, I mean, one of the reasons I've been a youth pastor so long is just because I, I really do love teenagers. Mm-hmm. I, I think they're awesome. They're fun to be with. And I love them. And that's just, I just, that's just who I am. And so I've never tried to be cool. <laughs> I've always just tried to be Tracy, yeah. you know, and I love teenagers and this is just the way it is. Now, of course, I worked in the inner city for a long time, so there's no way on God's green earth I could be cool. Yeah. You know, <laughs> in that context, there's no cool factor at all. Mm. You know, I don't look cool in their eyes, but they never cared. You know, they knew I was sincere and they knew that I was there for them. And um, yeah, actually... Uh, without trying to make myself sound like a hero, because I'm not, I've made plenty of mistakes, but I actually had an adult woman come back to me who was in my youth group in the city um, 10 years ago. And she said that the reason she liked youth group then was that because she knew that I loved her. Hmm. She said, I knew you loved me. You loved all of us. and, And that was why I went to youth group. That was why it worked. Because you loved us. Yeah. And it seems so simple, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. I, I think, I, and again, kind of like Tracy, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I think that's what my kids would say too. And um, I'm young at heart, but I'm not young. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm almost 42. So I'm, I'm hardly, but I, and there's, there's a sense of uh, I, my kids, I think appreciate my willingness to pal around with them. Right. And I'll get out there on the basketball court with them and I'll shoot, shoot baskets and I'll tell silly jokes and I'll be that guy with them. Mm-hmm. But, but when I pull out a Bible or when, when it's time to, to get serious, when we start going through a liturgy, like they're there, they're present. Yeah. And I think that's a lot because uh, they know that I care. They know that I care for them and that I'm doing this because for them and that I love them and I'm, you know, and because I love Jesus and I want them to love Jesus too. Um, all of those things. And that goes, I, to me, I was, I was just going to say that goes really far with teenagers. Actually, I think that's everything with teenagers. I don't think there's yeah. a, there's a anywhere else to go with that, especially these days. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think about that, that fear that like, oh, I'm not young, I'm not interesting and I won't, you know, kids won't like me or listen to me. But I think everybody 
in high school, their favorite teachers, like who was everybody's favorite teachers for me and for my friends, it was actually the like grumpy old men teachers. Like they were everybody's favorites. The like crusty, like I've been in this too long and I'm just grinding out till I retire. Um, maybe not quite that. Cause they still love teaching. And it was the, it was actually the, the older men and women who were teachers in high school who said like, nobody like you and, and I'm not cool. And there's nothing about my style that is, um, relatable to you other than I'm speaking truth and I'm human and, and you know that I'm being earnest and I'm not anxious about being around you. Um, yeah. And I think if, in whatever ways that youth ministry is similar to education, um, it can function very much the same way. Um, yeah, I think for kids who are trying to figure out who they are and where they belong, if you are just clear about who you are and you're sincere about you know, wanting to be a, a positive influence in their life, then they're happy to know you. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and I yeah. think that'll go a long way. Again, we recognize here at Young Anglicans Podcast that uh, professional youth ministers are actually a pretty small minority among churches in the ACNA, and that most of our churches um, either don't employ youth pastors or are too small to do that. And my my interaction with clergy at those churches is a sense of desperation, like, oh no, what do I do? And almost a fear of like, we don't have people to play dodgeball with kids. Mm -hmm. Um mm -hmm. When actually, like, a grandmother who bakes them cookies every week would actually do 10 times more good in showing the love of Christ than someone who can play Xbox with them. Yeah, yeah I would love to just completely blow up the stereotype that the youth pastor has to be the young, hip guy that's willing to play the crazy or the gross games or whatever. I mean, yeah, that's good. I'm not saying youth pastors can't do that. But the idea that only that type of person can be a youth pastor mm -hmm. It just drives me crazy. Yeah. Um, and, and as we're as we're getting ready to do uh, engage training, mm -hmm. which is uh, young Anglicans um, kind of youth mentorship training for adults, uh, we're getting ready to do that out here in Western Anglicans. And as I've been trying to get people on board, and I've been going to deanery meetings and you know things like that, trying to to get people to buy in. I, I, I've so many times I've gotten the question, well, but I'm old. No, you know, yeah. young person wants to hang out with me. And it's like, all I can say is that it's just not true. Like, no, it's just not no. true. And what you should, what you should do is next Sunday, go up to one of the young person, one young people in your church and just say, hi, I'm Betty. What's your name? And ask them what's going on in their life. And they're going to look at you like you're crazy for a little bit. But yeah. eventually if you can get the conversation going and if you do that, two weeks in a row or three weeks in a row or every couple of weeks or something like that, you will eventually realize the, the, the student is going to realize, Oh wow, this person really is interested in me. And mm -hmm. I think people will, would be shocked what kids, how they will open up. Um, yeah. How much they will appreciate just being treated like a person. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that initial interaction, you're, you're right. I don't want to lie and say that like every sixth grader, as soon as, like a grandparent walks up to them is like, oh man, I've been waiting for another grandparent. But like <laughs> after a little while, once they, once the initial awkwardness goes away um, mm. and even there's a teenagers are notoriously bad at giving like positive feedback in a yeah. conversation or eye contact or um, normal greetings. 
uh, the number of times I've had people who are confirmation mentors. So they meet with them, you know, like just a couple times during the confirmation process with these seventh and eighth graders. And the relationship can continue if they wanted to or not. You know, it's up to the kids. The number of times the students have been like, oh, yeah, I'd love to keep on meeting. And then I tell the mentor and they're like, really? Because they never said anything the entire time <laughs> we met. Um, there is also uh, a sense in which teenagers are really bad at showing like, hey, I really appreciate that you took the time to do that. Ten years later, they'll, they'll come back to you and say, like, we could mm -hmm. tell you loved us. But Tracy, yeah. I'll bet that <laughs> I'll bet that person at a younger age didn't necessarily oh, no. say that to you. Oh, right? she, she was a nightmare. She, I actually had to <laughs> chase her down one time at a during a field trip, pick her up and stick her in the van. <laughs> That's an important part of this story, right? Like, yeah, it is. You know, and that makes me think it was just like, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago. I I sent my junior high youth pastor a message on Facebook. This giant message all about. Paul Baker, you're awesome, and you changed my life, and I didn't tell you back then, but I'm telling you now, God bless you, you're great. And first of all, that was so fun for me to do that, and then because it was Facebook, all of my other you know, youth group friends all started piling on and liking and writing their own you know, comments to my, co it was great, it was really, really cool, and we just like poured all kinds of love back on Paul Baker. God See, bless you, Paul Baker. And Eric, <laughs> imagine if you didn't have Facebook, you would have never had that chance. I know. <laughs> I know. Now we're going to start talking yeah. about social media again. <laughs> so uh, just to give encouragement to some of the older youth pastors or, or older folks who are thinking about doing youth pastoring, um, there are some tough things about being older and a youth pastor, one of which being, um, you know, trying to keep up with things like social media. Mm -hmm. Um trying to figure out how to actually communicate with these kids, you know, when they don't read emails and aren't on Facebook and everything else. So, um, thankfully I have my own teenagers in the house that I just ask. So, um, <laughs> for example, we recently started our own discord server because it turned out most of my youth group was already on discord and they'll actually read what I'm writing. If I put it on a discord That's server. So interesting. Is it... <laughs> well, because discord is, is a platform built for, gaming chats yeah, it, oh, it's, yeah it's primarily yeah, but it's for... awesome i have all these different channels now verse of the day general announcements oh, you know nice. people chatting with each other yeah it totally works but you know you need a young person to tell you these things yeah. you know to, to install instagram on your phone and stuff so um well, and you need your young people to tell you because like none of my kids are on discord like none of my kids right. game you know, are, are, are doing yeah. that so um it's, I, I often tell my, I tell my students that uh, not every youth pastor has a youth group full of kids that can talk extensively about Jim Dale, the guy who narrates the Harry Potter audiobooks, because <laughs> not every group of teenagers loves Harry Potter audiobooks. Um, but like my students are like, oh yeah, I love that guy. He does all the voices really well. Like there is no such thing as a generic teenager. And if you get in the youth yeah. ministry, the whatever we say right now, especially as it deals with like particular interests or even particular social media, um, is utterly worthless to you in your context if you don't find out what your actual teenagers are using and, and talking about and yeah, sharing with each other. Yeah, so it's probably, uh, you know, an issue for everyone. You just, you have to talk to your teens and find out how to communicate with them. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, I love to play all the crazy games and everything, but, you know, the older I get and the 
we play this game where we're running and, you know, I last five minutes because the <laughs> 15 year old who's six foot one runs me down in about three seconds. You know? <laughs> it's just not fair. But, I, you know, I, I could be a good sport about that. But then you could go over and stand on the side with all the other people who didn't want to play. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, a few years ago, realized that I could use a coffee maker for all nighters. Um, I, I just never thought to make myself coffee at 2 a.m. when I'm trying to stay up all night. That was a game changer for me. Yes. Because for many years in my 20s, I could pull an all-nighter and be okay. And I would outlast the kids. They'd all fall asleep at 5, you know. But now, if I don't have coffee going through that all-nighter, I'm done. Yeah. I'm done at 3. And well, and, and when you're over 40 and pulling all-nighters, you have to understand that for two days after that, you're going to be recovering. Yeah. Because it, it's like the all-nighter hangover lasts a lot longer yes. <laughs> when you're yeah. older. <laughs> yeah. Uh, can we go back a little bit? Because sure. um, I want to I talk about, we started sort of talking about social media or at least being connected with our students outside of youth group time. Mm -hmm. And uh, as our youth group has grown all of a sudden over the past year, that one of the things I've had a hard time with is is now having less time that I feel like to connect with mm. the students, um, because instead of there being five kids at youth group and I can like really just mm. intensely love and care for these five mm -hmm. kids and get into their lives during youth group time. Now there's 15 or 20 and there's just not the, there's just not the space to do that. And so I'm trying to receive what you guys are saying calling me into being connected with them on social media and things like that. Um, I, I myself, I, I might've said on this podcast before I, I gave up social media a couple of years ago. Um, that was a personal thing. It had nothing to do with youth ministry. It was yeah. just, I just felt like I needed to set it down for my own self. Mm. And there's a big part of me that would love to call my kids to do the same thing. My, my youth group kids to do the same thing. I don't think that that's necessarily reasonable though. I, I will ask them. But talk to me some more about the ways that you use social media within your youth group to stay connected to your kids, all those kinds of things. And most, the only thing I can think of is largely like not checking in on my kids, not, not like stalking them to find out, you know, if they've done anything bad. But in a sense, my students don't use Twitter. They don't really use Facebook. Um, they have Instagrams and they occasionally send Snapchats to each other. Um, and so I'll follow them on Instagram and I can kind of see what they're up to. Um, and even there's some affirmation that goes on, right? Like if, if they're posting pictures before homecoming, I can like that picture as a way to say like, hey, this is what's going on. Um, in some ways, they see into my life that way. Like when I post on Instagram, they're able to feel a little bit more connected to me. And I think there's good sort of reason to think that the connections we feel to each other on social media are kind of fabricated, but still if they see pictures of my kids and like it and feel like, Oh, I know Andrew a little bit better because I've seen his kids and oh, isn't that cute? Mm. Um, they're maybe not connected to me in a deep, meaningful sense that builds a friendship, but that feeling of connectivity is a, is a road through which, um, 
our relationship increases and they trust me a little bit more. They feel more comfortable mm -hmm. around me. So when I speak mm -hmm. into their lives, when I'm teaching things, when we're having small group discussions, they feel like they know me and they trust me more. Um, well, it sounds like you're going to start at a different place at the beginning of youth group each week as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Does that make sense? It's like uh, some of the some of the niceties, some of the some of the surface interaction is in a sense out of the way or already yeah. taken care of because you're connected to them in that more surface way through social media. I can see that. I and can see that. What about you, a, Tracy? I was just going to say you can use it as a diving point too of like, oh yeah, I saw that thing. Tell me more about that. Or yeah, sometimes yeah. it's like sometimes I see more pictures of them that their parents post. I can be like, yeah, your mom posted this. Tell mm -hmm. me about that. Um, mm -hmm. Anyway, sorry, Tracy. No, no, it's fine. Um, Facebook, none of my kids use, but all their nope. parents use. Mm -hmm. So I can keep up on the fact that they're in the school play or, you know, because sometimes they'll tell me these things. Sometimes they won't. Like you said, Eric, when you've got 25 kids in front of you, you're not going to know everything for everyone. Yep. But um, pastorally, that's been good because it helps me remember things like, oh, you know, I, I want to go to that play or, you know, I want to yeah. congratulate them for winning at Whippeals or whatever, you know. So mm -hmm. um, and. I use Facebook knowing that it's the parents who are looking at my Facebook page and not the kids. So lots of announcements, descriptions of things that have happened that, you this, know, this is a youth group specific Facebook page. Nope. It's just mine. Your personal Facebook page. Yeah. And I, I obviously I use the church Facebook page as well to post youth group stuff, but mm -hmm. most of the parents in my, um, youth group are connected to me, just my personal Facebook page. Mm -hmm. Now, of course you do have to be careful, right? Like what you put, you don't want to put anything too nutty. Um, but, uh, so we have the, to hide the nutty part of ourselves. Is that what you're saying? No, I, I mean, they already know how nutty I am. Um, I guess I guess it's just a general rule when you're a Christian. Right. And and especially if you're a pastor, you have to behave yourself on Facebook. You know, I can't go ranting if I'm upset about something because it's just not a good witness. Mm -hmm. And I, I certainly don't want my kids to act that way. Um, the Discord server has been really interesting for us. Um, Instagram I'm not one of those huge picture taking people. So I only use it occasionally. I do use it to see, you know, to say hi to kids. The, the interesting thing for me with Instagram is that it's been how I've stayed connected to some of the kids that have gone on to college mm -hmm. too, because they're still on it. And, you know, so I'm still liking them. And so then when I text them and say, Hey, I saw you were in a big concert or something, you know, um, that's been kind of nice. That's really organic though. But um, the discord server has been great because the kids are actually on it so I can say things like, Hey, remember we're doing this on Friday and they'll answer me right back. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I just arranged to pick up a kid for something on the discord server the other day. Mm -hmm. Um, and because you can, uh, on the, on this, in this one server, I can have all these different channels. And of course I'm the one in charge of all those channels. I only okay. let the kids post to the general channel. Um, I've been doing things like verse of the day, you know, and I'm putting Bible verses up, that, you know, have to, something to do with what we're studying and things like that. So um, for me, the, the most important thing about whatever platform you're using is, are your kids actually on it? Is right. it going to yeah, actually, right. you know, give them something? Because I can post all kinds of, you know, long explanations of scripture on Facebook, but not one of my kids will see it. Right. No, none of my kids use Facebook either. Yeah. And but I, I never... I am careful, like Snapchat makes me a little nervous because yeah. of the origins of Snapchat. So, I, eh. well, uh, and the, the uh, what's it, I, I don't know what to call it, but the, the idea that Snap, Snapchat exists because we want things to go away and they, right. they're not permanent. Yeah, that makes uh, me a little nervous. So yeah. I, I 
choose not to have a Snapchat account. I'm not judging. I'm just saying. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's one of the difficulties. I don't have a lot of conversations with my kids about their social media, although I probably should have more, but the, the ones that I have had, they're all on Snapchat. That's what they do. Mm -hmm. And that just feels weird to me to get connected with my, my youth group students via Snapchat. That just feels weird. Yeah. And there's no, like, there's no accountability with that. So right, that's right. the other reason that it makes me nervous. You know, um, the discord server, I invited the parents to go on the discord server too. Right. Um, right. only one did, but they know they're invited. They know they can look at it anytime they want. So, right. well, one there... besides my husband. <laughs> yeah. Is, is discord a little bit like Slack? Is there some like you similarities said the magic there? word, Eric, you said the okay. magic <laughs> word. I love Slack. I think the channel function is like Slack, right? Like in Slack, we have all these extra channels and you can have that as well. Um, yeah. Discord enables better voice chat if you want, though, whereas I don't think Slack okay. does that. Okay. And we don't, I don't use the voice chat. I just yeah. use the text. Yeah. And Although, just to be clear, since this is the Young Anglicans podcast, we should advertise that Young Anglicans does have a Slack channel. Uh, Andrew, tell Tell those listening who might want to get onto that how they would do that. Oh, if you're a youth pastor, Slack is the greatest thing in the entire world, um, second only to Jesus. And um, <laughs> I, I suppose and his church. But um, so Slack is just it's sort of like a message board. Um, and there's lots of different opportunities. And we have one for anybody involved in youth ministry where you can get lots of resources, have conversations, be connected to other youth pastors around the country. Um, it's something you can have on your phone. You can have a, access it from any web browser. Um, we've shared a lot of stuff. It, you know, waxes and wanes a little bit in its use, but it's at least a good way to be connected, um, and reach out to other youth pastors and get a bunch of resources. We have a resource channel that we filled up at our meeting in October in Dallas. That's yeah. Just got kind of went crazy on that thing. Yeah. And it, so now it's just a giant list of awesome resources of everything that everybody in that room had used, you know, video series, curricula, stuff like that. Um, so if it was you like are, that meeting was like a three hour fire hose. We just went it was. It was for three hours. People just started giving out resources. It was kind of cool and super overwhelming and crazy. Oh yeah. I, I don't remember almost any of what was said, but I can go in Slack and double check. So yeah, if it's you're a there. pastor, hunt me down um, and get on our snack, our snack, our Slack channel. Um, Cause that's pretty, it's pretty incredible. Can you do show notes for these podcasts, Andrew? Because if so, you could put like your email or address or something oh, yeah. in in the in the show notes. I should do that. I'll figure okay. out how to do that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, our podcast will get better over time. We'll add some yeah. intro music at some point. We'll. Uh, <laughs> it'll be great. It's gonna be great. I promise. It's gonna be great. Keep sticking. It may with be us. a year from now. Yeah, <laughs> it may be a year from now, but it's gonna be great. <laughs> We actually have, for those of you listening, to look forward to. We've got lots of people who have contacted us with um, really good ideas. John Mark Smith from um, Nashville contacted me because he wants to talk to us about recruiting leaders because he had some success with that. So we're going to have him on soon. Lots of youth pastors um, have sort of contacted with lots of good ideas. So it's only going to get better. Awesome. I mean, it's going to get... apex with Tracy, but then it'll, <laughs> yeah. it'll be pretty good after that. All yeah. others are number two or lower. <laughs> Yeah, we we oh, should come get on, guys. Steven. You know what we movie should... that's from? No. Wait, no, I didn't. No. I it went. In, I was. I'm sorry. I was thinking about what I was going to say. That was horrible. Like okay. I, I, I broke conversation rule number one. Yeah. I thought about what I was going to say instead of listening. Yeah. It's from it's from the cult classic Mystery Men. Yeah, I've never seen it. Yeah, I saw it Got once it. on VHS. 
Um, <laughs> so, so wait, VHS, I love it. Is it cult classic because it's like so bad it's good or it's actually good or how, you know? It's so bad it's good. Yeah, okay. Is it, I don't remember, is it youth group appropriate? Is this a youth group movie night movie? See, now you have to think. Mm-hmm. It's PG-13 from a long time ago. It's got huh. some language. Going to say no on that one. Yeah. Depends Even though I've never seen it. I haven't shown like, it in youth group. group. I haven't shown that in <laughs> youth group, but we did watch Lord of the Rings. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's violence. We're all evangelicals. We're fine with movie violence. It just can't have nudity or language. Not, but no sex. <laughs> and Andrew listens to Kendrick Lamar That's in his right. youth group. So That's everything's right, okay in his it's... youth group. No holds barred. Hey, his new song's good. I, I haven't listened to the soundtrack yet. I have one question. Um, Tracy, you mentioned the parenting class. I'm curious about what kind of stuff you cover in that parenting class you do. Uh, so in the parenting class, what I'm trying to do is introduce the parents to some experts and um, talk about different topics. So the first one, um, we went, uh, I did a quick overview of the book, The Five Love Languages, Okay. Um, which there is one written specifically, The Five Love Languages of Teenagers. Mm-hmm. So they were able to do like a, a quick quiz with their kids to try and figure out what those were. Um, the biggest draw has been when we've talked about conflict. We've oh, had wow. um, we had a, tr- a a class on communication, and then we had two classes on conflict, and those were the ones the parents really wanted um, mm-hmm. because they're trying to figure out how to have less conflict, but then when they do have conflict, how to do it in a way that's you know godly and appropriate. Yeah. So, so is it largely teaching that you do, or is it largely like conversation discussion? It's been interesting. This is the first time I've done this, so it's it's evolving. And at first, I thought it would be um, mainly teaching, and then, but with room for discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I had made a PowerPoint and everything else. But what it's evolved into is uh, we're you know all sitting in a circle, and I'm I present material, but the whole time parents are asking questions, giving examples. So it's very much yeah. a discussion group. That's what we've done a couple parent discussion nights, and that's largely what they've turned into is like I'll present an idea and it just everyone just starts sharing and they share what doesn't work in their house or like this is what I'm struggling with. And a few parents who have like, you know, a senior in high school and someone in college can speak a little bit of like this is what I've had. And I'm sitting in the room with like a six and a two year old saying, right. I'm just soaking this all in, you guys. I'm right. I'm a quote unquote professional with adolescence, but that's all going to go out the window as soon as my kids are teenagers. So I'm just, I'm introducing whatever the books have told me and what my experience is with your students, but you guys are just sharing your actual experiences. And the parents have largely liked, I mean, maybe they like hearing from me, but I think largely they like being in a room with each other to share the kind of things they're going through as parents of teenagers. I, I think the support is huge. And I very clearly state at the beginning of each class that this is a no judgment zone mm-hmm. so that they can, they feel they can be vulnerable and that nobody's going to, you know, come down on them. Yeah. I do think it's important though, that you present it, you know, good, solid information about things like good communication techniques, you yeah. know, fight fair rules, that kind of thing. Um, child development, because um, as we all know, what works with one kid is not going to work with another. Right. right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, these parents have to make decisions not based on what worked for Mr. and Mrs. Smith, but you know, yeah, what works in terms of development and, you know, biblical understanding of conflict and, and relationship and things like that. So, um, 
because there's there's been times I've had to do correctives, you know. Yeah. So what what resources did you use for those classes on conflict? Mm. I'm a little old school. So, um, you know, uh, I, I've done a lot of parenting. <laughs> and mm. so my, the books I'm going to are, are going to recommend are old. But uh, the five love languages of teenagers um, boundaries with teens by um, Henry McLeod, Henry Cloud. Um, an oldie but goodie, how to talk so teens will listen and listen so teens will talk, mm. um, which is a great book on communication. Uh, that sounds and like I've a also read a bunch of Brene Brown on shame and um, vulnerability and things like that. That how to talk, how teens will listen and listen. Like that sounds like like a 1992 U specialties like headliner <laughs> book. Well, it's it's actually. Um, it's even older than that, Andrew, um, because the original was how to talk so kids will listen and oh, listen okay. so kids will talk. So I was using that 20 years ago. Um, and then they came out, same authors came out with uh, one for um, teenagers. Yeah. And it's two ladies and they're awesome and they have really difficult last names. So I can't remember them off the top <laughs> of my head. Mm. But yeah, but those have all been really good resources. That's awesome. Yeah, um, so cool. One last question. What is the biggest thing you've learned about teenagers or about youth ministry in your 16 years? Like what's, what's something you totally didn't know when you started and now you know and you feel so much wiser now that you know it? It's interesting. I think it's probably the same thing I think about parenting. Um, it's so crucial to understand where teenagers are developmentally. Mm. Once you understand where they are developmentally, it helps you plan curriculum. It helps it helps you not get offended when they act completely developmentally appropriately. Yeah. Um, and it, it just helps you be able to be relaxed about things, but also know how to focus things. So what I learned about um, the teen mind and about, you know, child development um, from age 12 to, to you know, 18 has been hugely important in shaping my ministry and also in shaping um, my relationships with teenagers. Yeah, I think that also a lot of times helps when you have a kid who's an outlier. Like if you have a middle school kid who for some reason is able to kind of have meaningful small group discussions in a way that like a you know, junior in high school does, you don't see that kid and think, see, this could work with middle schoolers if all the other ones just got on board. You recognize, mm. okay, this one's a bit of an anomaly because it's totally fine that my seventh and eighth graders are squirrels and they're squirrely. Like, right. that's that's fine and appropriate, and I don't expect more of them than that. Right, and understanding that all kids go through the same basic developmental stages, but they go through them at different times. Yeah. Mm. So, I mean, obviously, the most important thing that has helped my ministry is the knowledge that you know, while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. Mm -hmm. Um, that, that is the most important thing. The gospel uh, is preached every week at our youth group. Um, you know, grace is given every opportunity we can give it. Um, you know, there, we constantly tell these kids that they are the beloved children of God. Um, so that's our main message all the time. But, but just from a kind of professional perspective, um, child development understanding has been really huge in, in my ministry. Do you have, uh, are, are some of those same resources that you just mentioned 
places where you would find information about that? Or do you have, I think uh, they are, resources? but also, um, also just some basic child development books, um, you know, that go through the age of 18. Um, mm-hmm. Dr. Sears has a great series, um, that I've used a lot. Um, Mark, Mark Ostreicher has some good ones, like understanding your young teen. Um, he's, cause he's real big on, on recognizing the importance of developmental psychology. And he's got a couple books that, that talk about like this, this is what's normal for your 12 year old and your 13 year old. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, we're, we're going to start having a tradition of closing with a collect. So, um, unless nice. you guys have any other awesome things to say, we'll, uh, Just thank you, Tracy. Thanks so yeah. much for being a part oh, of this. Oh, sure guys. You, it was great talking with you both. We'll have you back soon. Whatever that means. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let me close with this prayer. Almighty God, whose son, Jesus Christ fasted 40 days in the wilderness and was tempted as we are yet without sin. Give us grace to discipline ourselves in obedience to your spirit. And as you know our weakness, so may we know your power to save. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. 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 Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thank you.